So we're reading from Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 22 and ending 34. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God, thank you for your faithfulness to our church. Um, Who would have thought that a college student back in early 2001 at Cal would now be serving you in Japan and that we had the opportunity to feed into his life and to make that decision, just uh, really humbled by that. God, I ask that that would continue, that as we study your word, Lord, that it isn't um, me, that as we worship, it's not the worship leaders, that as we as a church, as we serve you, it's not our church, that ultimately, Lord, it's it's you, and, and we want to do things that are supernaturally of you, beyond our ability, beyond our capability, beyond our giftings, beyond our financial resources, that when people look to us, that they can look at you and say that the only reason that they do what they do is God. And so, Lord, I pray for your blessing upon the Benekis and ask that uh, as they continue their work in Japan, that... Um, It's just an awesome testimony of of your power, your grace, and your faithfulness to the Japanese people. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm shorter on time this morning than usual, so I'm no intro. We're just going to go right into the Bible. Verse 22 and 23. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Now, some of your translations may have the word worry there instead of anxious, and, and that's okay. The root word is the same. The, the root word, it means to be drawn in different directions. 
And that's what happens when we worry or when we are anxious about something. Where we're drawn in different directions. We, we tend to go in different directions. We tend to lose our, our focus more easy or easier. And there's more confusion that goes on in our minds. And, and it can even be incapacitating to some people. Now, have any of you ever found yourself debilitated because of an anxiety? Anyone? That, that it just kind of paralyzes you for a little bit. And where you find just the simplest task difficult to perform because you're worried. You're worrying about something. Now, anxiousness and worry affect us in in numerous ways. It's not just preventing you to move forward with your life physically, mentally, and emotionally. It also affects you spiritually. And it can be paralyzing to your entire being. Now, maybe some of you have experienced this where you are totally paralyzed because of anxiety or panic or worry And all of us have experienced this, right? We've all experienced panic and worry and and fear and anxiety and all these things. Maybe not all of us have experienced the paralysis that it brings on to some of us. But anyone here not have a worry in in the world? Anybody? Just, you don't worry about a thing? Nobody? I was going to talk to you and ask what your secret was and have you share with us what it is, but have, have, has anyone never experienced anxiousness? Right, so, so it's something that all of us have experienced. None, no one here has raised their hand to say that you have not experienced worry or anxiousness. Now, if you don't experience anxiousness, you don't have enough responsibilities. Right? That's what it is. It's either that or you're not connected to meaningful relationships. Right? It, it, it's one of those things. If you're not anxious or if you're not worried, you're, you're either you don't have enough responsibility to worry, or you don't have a meaningful relationship to worry about. Now, the anxiousness and the worry; those are signs of caring, right? Those are signs of of a, a, of a deeper thing, right? So, in in a world of political turmoil, of increasing violence, of financial instability, we're, we're living in a time of human history that that's very unsettling. And if you have people that you care about whom you have responsibility toward, you probably have an anxiousness within you and a worry within you. Right? Everyone who's a parent? Don't you you worry about your kids? Aren't you anxious about those things? You know, my kid's in kindergarten, and um, I'm anxious. She's only in kindergarten. But like, oh, I hope she gets along with her friends and... Oh, I hope that, you know, no one bullies her, and I hope that she speaks Chinese. Okay, she's in this Chinese immersion school, and she's, at the very beginning of it, she used to always come home and say, I hate school! I hate school! For three months, she's been saying, I hate school. Just two weeks ago, I said, how do you like school, honey? She's like, I like it a little. (laughs) All right, cool. We've made progress. But, But Jesus understands worry, right? Jesus understands anxiety. Not much has changed between the time Jesus taught this to his disciples and what he's teaching us today when it comes to anxiousness and worry. We experience the same things. And I don't think that we can say that we're less anxious or we're less worried than people were back then. I think it's pretty similar. I think what Jesus desires us to do is to live in reality and to live our lives according to that reality. So what does Jesus have to say about reality? Well, a ton. Right, the entire Bible. But in this particular context, in chapter 12, let's just start by looking back to verse 15, where Jesus gives us a warning 
and a word of wisdom. It says, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. That's the warning. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's the wisdom. Now, life is not defined by what you have. Okay, your possessions do not define who you are. Your being, your existence, your soul, your spirit, they are far too significant to be explained by the material world. So in light of that reality, we jump to verse 22, because verse 22 says, Therefore, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So Jesus warns us about covetousness and greed back in verse 15, which is something that we can struggle with, whether we have a lot of something or a little of nothing. And, and covetousness and greed are struggles of those who have a lot or who have nothing. You, you struggle with it on both ends, right? And then Jesus takes it a little bit deeper and he addresses anxiousness and worry, something that's a little bit deeper there in verse 22. And he says, do not be anxious about your life. Now, What is the root to these struggles that we have as people? Whether it's greed and covetousness or it's um, worry and anxiousness. What is the root to both of those things? Because there is a common root. And the common root is that there's a lack of faith and a lack of trust in God. That's, That's a common root there. The reality is that life is not defined by stuff. Verse 15. And since that is reality, it's not consistent to be anxious or worried about stuff in your life. Verse 22. Verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? There's a really important word in verse 24, which also shows up in verse 27. It's the word consider. Meaning, to perceive, to remark, to observe, to understand, to behold, to discover, to consider attentively, to fix one's eyes or mind upon. Jesus provides them with facts in verse 24, verse 27, and 28, and he paints them this picture of reality so that his disciples can live according to that reality. Now much of our anxiousness and worried is not derived from reality. Right? It's, it's all fictional stuff that we're making up in our head. It's, it's in this what-if world. Well, what if this? And what if that? And what if this? And I want to share you some really cool quotes from Mark Twain about troubles and problems. He says, I have known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. I've had thousands of problems in my life, most of which never actually happened. So how much needless worry has gone through your mind for things that aren't even a reality? My mom called me this past weekend sharing with me that she has to go uh, into the doctor because they found um, a cancerous growth in her ovaries. And so instantly, I'm, my mind is going through all this stuff, and I'm, I'm anxious, and I'm worried, and I'm going through all this stuff. And the funny thing is, is that I was studying this. And so right after I get off the phone with her and stuff like that, I go to my wife and I'm like, you know, God has, God is just so funny. 
Like, you know, it, it's, it's this, I'm going through this study about worry and anxiousness and stuff like that. And mom gives me a call about this stuff. And I'm instantly thinking, do I have to leave the ministry and go tend to her? What am I going to do about my kids' schooling? Oh, man, what are we going to do financially? I don't have a job down there and all this other stuff. And all these what-if scenarios going through my head, all these made-up things. The tests aren't even definitive and back yet. And yet I'm, I've gone there. I've gone to that worried space. I've gone to that anxiousness space. It happens. And Jesus asked his disciples in verses 25 and 26, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I think I took an hour of my life by worrying about all this stuff. Just, oh, right? It's just, I've done the opposite. And then verse 26, If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And I, and I had to let it all go. And I was like, yeah, God, you know, I, I'm living in this what-if space. And I'm living in this, this area where it's just this worried and this anxiousness when it's not even really reality. It's not fact. Not until she reports that back to me. Then, yeah, I'll deal with it then. But as of now, it's not, it's not the reality of life. It's just kind of something that's there right now. And so these two questions that Jesus asked are really encouraging to me because they are proof that his disciples were anxious and were indeed worried. Right? It helps me to know that they were real people just like you and me who struggle with similar things. And Jesus knows of our worries, but, but we are to look at them in the light of reality and in light of who God is. Being anxious and worrying, they are very real things. Right? If they weren't, it wouldn't be addressed in the Bible. He wouldn't talk about them if they weren't real things. So anxiety, fear, worry, all over the Bible. Right? All over the Psalms. For example, you look at Psalm chapter 56, verse 3. It says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When? It's going to happen. When I am afraid. There will be times of fear just like there will be times of anxiousness and worry. And God does not just bark orders at us telling us, Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. He encourages us not to fear. He encourages us not to worry, not to be anxious. And He tells us how to deal with that before us, right in the light of reality, in light of who He is in our life. It's not just an empty order or command that He's barking at us without any support behind it. You take a look at a verse like Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Paul wrote, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now some of us may take that as, oh, he's barking in order, but, but let's finish that verse there. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, the Bible doesn't just tell us, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't fear. It reasons with us. Right? Paul is saying, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. It reminds us who God is in our life. Right, He's our Lord. It, and, and it's empowering for us to, to overcome our anxiousness and worry by being reasonable. And rather than being anxious, Paul empowers us to do something about it. And he tells us to pray. To lay our requests before God and, and let God handle those things. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. 
Peter empowers us to be overcomers by humbling ourselves, right? And casting our anxieties on God. The reality that is that is there is that the mighty hand of God is for us and that He cares for us. So it's not just an empty barking that they're just saying, don't be anxious, don't be... They, they have this reminder of, remember who God is, that He cares for you, that His mighty hand is there for you. And, and, and there's other things that you guys can do about it. You're not powerless. Pray. Humble yourself. It's equipping. It's empowering. It's not just this bark order like, do this, and then that's it. Right? Verse 27, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Once again, that word, consider. So you see how important reasoning and logic are to Jesus. And some people think that, you know, oh man, you have faith in God, you have faith in Jesus. You, you, that means that you've chucked logic and reasoning out the door. It's quite the opposite. The Bible encourages us to consider, to reason, to discover reality, and to live in that reality. Right in those two verses, consider, back in Philippians, it says your reasonableness. He wants us to think. He wants us to reason, to use our logic, to use our minds to go through these things. Verse 28 through 30. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. God created the ravens, verse 24. God created the grass, verse 28. And He has provided for them all both food and clothing. Right? The ravens and the grass. The basic necessities of life, God has provided His creation. Now God going to the extent of creating these things and providing for them birds and grass, doesn't it also make sense that He will also provide for us, whom He also created? And we're more valuable than those things. Consider. Reason, right? So Jesus tells us in verse 24, of how much more value are you than the birds? In verse 28, He says, how much more will He clothe you? So when speaking of how these things are provided for, His creation are provided for, how much more for you, who is much more valuable? Now what does worrying gain us? What does worrying gain us? He asked in verse 25, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? No one, right? And in verse 27, Jesus tells us how the lilies grow without toil or spin, and even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. All the money in the world can't outdo what God has done so beautifully in a lily. Right? Solomon, Solomon is like the man. Solomon had everything at his disposal. He had all the resources in the world, and he couldn't even beautify himself to like, you know, be like a lily. The lilies are pretty. I like them flowers. And our worries boil down to the absence of faith. It boils down to the absence of trust. Right? So, so you look back to verse 28 again where Jesus addressed His disciples as those of little faith. He says, Oh, you of little faith. And when we struggle with worry, is it because of a lack of faith or trust in God? 
And as followers of Jesus, when we are faced with troubles from our circumstances, God allows for them to be there for us to deal with them, with Him. Right? And sometimes we ask the Lord to remove those troubling circumstances, and He does. Sometimes He comes through and He, he answers those, th- those prayers. But more often than not, we have to deal with what's in front of us. I don't know if you experience the same thing. This is for me at least. And for a lot of people I know, you, you kind of pray for those circumstances to change or for the Lord to bless you in one way or another. But usually it's, it's just whatever's in front of you, you got to deal with it. So that illness in front of you, I don't think I've ever experienced a prayer for somebody where we've prayed for something to be removed or pain to be alleviated or something, and it just happened there. I wish that it happened for me, that, that when I prayed for somebody, that it just happened it hasn't yet. Usually the person has to go through that illness. Those deteriorating finances. How many of you have prayed for a lottery ticket and it happened? And if it did, you better tithe. But, um, <laughs> but it, it doesn't happen, right? Like You have to kind of live through those circumstances. You have to experience those deteriorating finances the loss of that house, right? The loss of that job, whatever it is, the failing relationships, right? You, you pray that, oh man, I want this marriage to really work out, or I want that kid to come back to the Lord, or whatever it is, or I want this relationship to work and all this stuff. Usually you go through it and you experience all of the ugliness of that stuff. Most of the time. Those things just don't just go away. You pray about it and they just, oh, everything's fine. I woke up. It was just all a bad dream. It's rarely that way. We usually have to live life through and in those troubling circumstances. God is doing something in those times. And I think part of the problem we have is that we want to escape those circumstances when God is wanting us to grow. God is wanting us to mature, he, and he wants, he wants us to change. He doesn't want the circumstances to change. He wants us to, to be more like Jesus. And rather than focusing our efforts to do what we can, we can with God, we look to control things that we have no control over. So sometimes the circumstances in your life, they're totally out of your control. They are totally out of your hands. Because you can't control the other person's decisions. Lord, I need a job. I need a job. You can't control if the other person's going to hire you. You can't control if that guy's going to do a loan modification for you. Right? You can't control your spouse from leaving. So there are some things that you can't control. You can't even control what's happening in your own body most of the time. That cancer that won't stop spreading. You can't control it. For that pain that won't go away. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about your situation. You have to live through it with God. So what we do is we can work on that by trusting Him. We can work on trusting God. Work on changing our attitude and our heart towards our circumstances. Not looking to change them, but looking to change us. Jesus empowers us and encourages us to escort that anxiety and to escort that worry out of our being. I also think that part of the problem we have and the things that we worry about are sometimes they're just immature. 
right? Some of the things we worry about are really childish. And I think it would be helpful for some of us to look at the things we worry about in light of the people who are struggling with things that aren't so trivial, right? So despite the problems we have in Oakland, no one in our city goes hungry nor goes without fresh water if they don't want to. If they do, it, it, it's on their own terms. They, they decided to do that. But there is plenty of access to food in our city. Right? They can go to a ton of food banks. They can go to some, uh, different churches. They can go to different uh, ministries that are around here. There is, there is food here. And there is water. You turn on the spigot and you can drink that water. Wherever it is, a park, or you can go to a drinking fountain. You can all the... It's not so in other parts of the world. Right, So if you go to Kenya, the freshwater resources are so limited. And there's these tribal battles and wars because people are bringing their cattle across other people's lands and they're eating of their resources. But they have to drink. They have to get water. There isn't the tap. And you have to go miles just to get a couple gallons of water and then you bring it back and you do what you do. You're cooking with it, you're drinking with it and all this. And it's this cloudy, muddy, dark water and you're doing all this stuff you're drinking and you bathe with it, you do everything with it and you have to do that several times a day because you have a family so some of our our worries and our anxieties I think we have to look at it in a proper light there was a guy on Lakeshore who asked me for food and he told me he was hungry, so I was carrying a box of leftovers it was like noodles and chicken and and so I offered it to him. But he didn't want it. And I was like, why don't you want it? He said, I'm not in the mood for chicken. <laughs> what? This is good stuff. I came from that restaurant. This is good stuff. And so I was really surprised. But, but the hunger people experience here is so different from the hunger experienced in different parts of the world. Right? People can be picky here. You can be like, I'm hungry. I know that the next meal is going to come from the next guy or I can get some cash or I could just go. But I'm just not in the mood for chicken. So, well, I'm not in the mood for it. I don't want it. And so sometimes they have this attitude about what they're fed. That's not so in other parts of the world. Right? You're not that picky. So I think our perspectives are sometimes off in what worries us and what things we find ourselves worrying about are actually kind of on the immature side or on the trivial side. You know, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? I don't have anything to wear. What am I going to buy? Or when's that next uh, iPhone coming out or that next iPad? Oh, I'm so worried that if I buy this model now that that next one's going to come out in two months and I'm just going to be stuck. You know, those type of things. Like, come on. And it's not that those things don't have their place in our lives, but what is their place? Right? I mean, I think God cares about everything about us. But what's their place? What are our top priorities and are our priorities, are they properly placed? And so I think this also affects our prayer life and how we pray. You know, like, Lord, should I buy that car? Or, or sh- should I take that job? Or should I go to that school? Or should I take that trip? Or should I take this class? And, and again, I think those are important prayers to pray. And I think God cares. But I wonder, I wonder what place of priorities those prayers have in our life and if they're appropriately placed. 
Because people are dying without Jesus as their Savior. And I have this feeling that that's on the top of the priority list and not whether I should buy a new car or not. And people are abused and they're treated without justice all over this world, in our city. And I have a feeling that that's on the top of the priority list and not what I'm going to buy next. So where's our heart in regards to the things that are closest to the heart of God? Verse 31, Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So be concerned about the things of God. And all your other stuff, it's going to be taken care of. Right? Be people of faith, not people of fear. And know what you can do in partnership with God, and, and, and the rest you kind of just leave completely to Him. If you worry about doing that, then, then you need to do some soul searching as to what's causing you not to trust God. Right? What, what's causing that? What, what makes you think He is not in control, that He's not sovereign? Sometimes we are anxious and sometimes we worry. And if we didn't ever struggle with it, then Jesus has no reason to address this very subject with us this morning. But in our worry and in our anxiousness, we have a loving Father to point people to. We have an incredible opportunity to point a world of worriers and a world of people with anxiety to God. We have to be honest about our struggles with anxiousness and worry and not pretend that we don't have those things because we're a Christian and we just lay everything before God. That we have to be honest about this stuff so that we can point people to God that God addresses those things within us. I find those people irritating, don't you? You ask him about something and, and you're like, oh, doesn't that make you worried? Like, oh, no, no. It's, it's... I mean, maybe you're just a saint and praise the Lord, I wish I could be more like you. But if for some reason, I'm, I have an idea that maybe you're underreacting. Right? And, and underreacting to something is just as bad as overreacting to something, right? There's something in the middle where it's appropriate. Where it's appropriate, it's an appropriate response. If we truly believe God is sovereign, there is no fear in being honest with our struggles. Because He's in control. But let's be honest with them. There is no stronger testimonial than the person who has experienced firsthand what God has done in their life. There's no stronger testimony for a, a person going through cancer than a cancer survivor. Right? The, the most valued opinions are, are from those who have first-hand experience, first-hand knowledge. That's why we like things like Yelp and Zagat, right? That's, that's why we like those things. Those are like real things. It's not like a food critic. It's like, hey, this is, this is just like me, Joe, and whatever. We, we all, you know, this is our stuff. This is, these are our first-hand accounts of people's experiences. And as followers of Jesus, it's not the absence of worry that makes you valuable. It's how Jesus was with you during that entire time through a worrisome circumstance, yet you came out of it living in reality knowing that God was on your side. Right? And when someone wonders why you aren't worried in a worrisome situation, you can point to Jesus. And you can point people to the cross. Sometimes we get all this idea of what evangelism and discipleship is. And sometimes I think we get it too complicated. That we have to have all of our ducks in a row and, and we have to have all the right theological answers and philosophical answers and all this kind of stuff. We simply need to point people to the cross because they need a Savior. 
And you would tell someone that if you really experienced that. Just like you would tell somebody about a good restaurant or a good experience or a good whatever, you would share that with them. Right? Like, I went to this restaurant and I got this awesome food for less than $5 to feed my entire family and it was all organic, sustainable food. If that were true, you would all know that restaurant from me. I would tell every single one of you about that. Because I'd be jazzed about it. That would be a beneficial thing to everybody. I would let you know about it. How much more so, Jesus? You know that it's the best stuff out there. And you're just simply sharing what He's done for you. And we've been so disconnected from God because of sin. But also because of fear. And also all these other things that are going through our head, like all people, how people perceive Christians and how they do this and all that. Jesus' death on the cross is what reunites us with God. Right? And, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we can have forgiveness of sin from a holy God, an opportunity to have a relationship with God. I get to talk with God. I get to lay before Him all of my problems, all that anxiousness and all that worry. It doesn't mean that I don't have it and it's no longer part of my life, but I recognize that as a follower of Jesus, that my faith and my trust in God is lacking when I worry. And that anxiousness, if I let it like swallow up my life, that, that I'm not trusting Him. And that if I lay my life and my heart and my mind and my soul and my spirit down and trust Him completely, The worry is very real. The anxiousness is very real. But I don't need to wallow in it. I need to go with Jesus. And we need to go to the Word of God with these things. Right? If you ever worry about whether you are loved of God, you can turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you ever worry about being weak, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If you ever worry about what you're doing with your life, you can flip to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The things the followers of Jesus deal with, they're the same things that everyone else deals with in the world. It's just that our hope is in Jesus. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We have hope in Jesus. Verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And you notice how real Jesus is here. He says, fear not, little flock. He recognizes that they are weak. That not only are they weak sheep, they're a small group of weak sheep. right? But, but they have a Father who delights to give them everything in His kingdom. If it is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, is there a need for us to be greedy? For us to be covetous? Is there a need for us to be anxious or worried? Verse 33, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail 
where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If anyone can have peace of mind in being generous, it's the follower of Jesus. Right? Where our treasure is is where we desire to be. It's where we are going to be. It's not too hard to figure out what the priorities of your life are. All you have to ask yourself or look at is your checkbook. You just have to look at where you put your financial resources. Where does your paycheck go? Right? Where, where, where do you invest? What are you saving for? It's very telling of where your heart is. So look at your finances. Back to verse 31. Instead, seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. Seek His kingdom. In a kingdom, there's a king. And that king has reign over his entire kingdom. He's in control of everything within that kingdom. We are to seek his reign over our life. To seek his kingdom does not mean we're looking for God to be our co-pilot. Right? He's in control. And that might be difficult for, for some of us, but it's the very fact that we are the ones piloting our lives which causes us to worry. Which causes us anxiety. And of course... I'd be worried if I were the pilot of my own life. I'm so finite. I'm so limited in my knowledge. There's so much that I don't know. But if God is in control of my life, I can be at peace with that. I can be at peace that the creator of the universe is in control of my life, who knows everything. How else do we explain a group of 11 regular guys revolutionizing the world over 2,000 years ago? Right? Jesus' disciples, they weren't the smartest guys. They weren't the most powerful guys. They weren't the most influential guys. They weren't the wealthiest guys. I can't say that any of them had doctorates. Right? None of them went to the, the best schools. or got, I mean, they went to the best education that they had Jesus. But I, I can't say that they went and you know, got all these degrees behind their names and got all their ducks in a row and, and studied everything that they needed to study before they went out into the world. They had the Holy Spirit. And there were so many people who just on sheer ability could do so much more. Right? There, there, there's so many more people that were more capable than these guys. The thing is that they sought the kingdom of God and you see what Jesus did with them. We're here because of them. And you and I, we can only do so much in our power, but the incredible things God can do with us when we seek the kingdom, that's some awesome stuff. I want to close with this. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. May we discover the realities in Jesus and live in those realities. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray for any of us who are struggling with worry, with anxiousness in our life. God, that you would remind us of who you are, of how much you care for us, how much you love us, how much you are for us. And Lord, that we aren't powerless. That we have some things that we can do, like pray. Like be humble. Be generous to seek after the kingdom. These active things that we can do. 
And Lord, some of us may be dealing with difficult circumstances in our life, Lord. And I ask God that you would minister to those who are struggling right now. In Jesus' name, amen.